Moat on the volley. And yes! the corner. What a start for West Bromwich Albion. The Baggies Podcast, giving you the latest news, views and opinions on all things Albion. Hello and welcome back to The Baggies Podcast, where of course we're giving you all the latest news, views and opinions on all things Albion. We are back again today with another episode. We're going to be talking about the past week of Albion action, including reaction to both the Huddersfield draw and the Fulham win on Tuesday night. But before we get into this episode, make sure you subscribe on your podcast platform or YouTube and leave a nice little rating if you've enjoyed the episode. But it's a big episode today because we're welcoming on a brand new guest. We're joined by YouTuber and Baggies fan. It's Bucket Hat Sam. Sam, how are you doing, mate? Welcome to the show. I'm buzzing, mate. It's a weird feeling. The next day, I still can't get over the win last night. It's it's a weird feeling. It's been a long time that I've felt this good about a game. And I feel like I've just forgotten the last two months of misery. <laughs> and I'm just buzzing. I've been so annoying everyone at work today, just going on about how brilliant we were last night. And so, yeah, I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing to be on. Thanks for having me on, mate. Yeah, absolute pleasure. I've certainly been skipping around work this morning, to be honest, mate. But it's been... Yeah, it's been a great 24 hours for Albion, and I'm sure we'll get onto that. But we're, we're also here to talk a little bit about yourself because you've, you've got nearly 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. You've gained quite a following. What's, if we sort of take it back to the start of your YouTube adventure, what, what made you start uh, uploading those videos on, online? I think it was all obviously lockdown and things, sadly going back into that. I started recording, uploading videos as the first kind of easing in lockdown. I'd been I'd been living with my girlfriend and really annoying. I just talking about football because we the first time we lived together. And she said, You need to just talk to somebody else about it. None of my mates cared. So I thought, you know what? I'm gonna put it out online. It's not a fancy story. It was as simple as that. And then I started putting stuff online. It started picking up and I, I really started enjoying connecting with others and just talking about the beautiful game of football because as much as I love West Brom, I love football as a whole all levels and things like that. And so that it just kind of just grew from there. West Brom videos, Premier League videos, non-league videos, foreign football videos. And it's just kind of grown from there. And yeah, and then I get to meet people like you, mate, connecting with loads of the content creators. It's, it's, it's a great way of kind of just creating something and just, yeah, just creating a bit of a community. That's kind of the, the aim and what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you like to, as you said there, you cover, uh, you know, the, the depths and breadths of, of most football leagues, to be honest. How, is that something you've always been interested in, just just branching out and covering as much as you can? Yeah, so I, before before uh, all the lockdowns and things, I used to visit, I had a season ticket until the kind of the Tony Pulis era at West Brom. And I stopped going at that point, which I think a lot of people did. A lot of people <laughs> kind of fell out of love with West Brom and yeah. things. And I started going to my local non-league games and traveling around and getting a real buzz for it. There's something about the grassroots football that I absolutely love. Obviously, West Brom will always be my club. I do also love going to see these grounds and things. And I thought, no one ever gets to see these, these places. I'm going to 11th tier football games and there's six fans there. So I thought, okay, I'll start recording at these games. And then, yeah, it kind of blew up through TikTok. And then that's helped my YouTube page. And they've kind of just grown alongside each other. But yeah, I've got a real love for non-league football as well. Obviously, Baggies is still the main love. Let's be honest. It's, it's always got to be. <laughs> yeah, of course. But you, 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 as you said, you visited 
several grounds some of some of which people might not even heard of but thanks to your tiktok and your youtube sort of people are getting out to some more of these non-league games and, and different leagues how, how many grounds do you have you do you, are you keeping score do you know how many grounds so you visited now i've kept score since i've been uploading videos so mm -hmm. i started uploading the videos on the non-league since the end of july and since the end of july i've been to 57 non-league grounds so I was I was doing wow. two a week until New Year, and I was thinking <laughs> I can't keep doing this. I'm getting a burnout. I'm, I'm burning out. But uh, yeah, at least now it gives me the free Tuesday to watch West Brom get the wins. Now, like that's that's the plan. And uh, yeah, so 57 non-league, and obviously I don't record all the games I go to, so I do go to more. But I wouldn't have a complete list because it would be ridiculous. But I, I do need to start keeping more tabs on uh, all the games that I go to. Yeah, sounds like a case you haven't got enough fingers to count how many grounds you've been to so far, <laughs> mate. You've you've clearly covered a, a very large section of of you know the the football league and non league community. But you know, you you, you on TikTok, am I right in thinking you give each ground a, a little bit of a rating when when you visit? And uh, I, I yeah. hear that I hear that there's a, a sort of Guinness Guinness counter as to how. Yeah, so <laughs> so it became a thing. Obviously, people who watch my channel they know I love Guinness, and so. I then started grading grounds purely down to whether they have Guinness, good atmosphere, good football, <laughs> and it's just a good setup. And it's not, obviously it's difficult to compare some grounds. I've been to Notts County, a uh, 15,000 seat stadium. Mm. And then I went to Alcester in the 11th, 11th tier of football and there was four fans there. So it's difficult to mark the two against each other, but I try to. But yeah, so Guinness does always help as well at the games. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it certainly helped at some of the Albion games so far. Probably, <laughs> probably about ten of those would probably get you through. But um, I, was have you, say. I, I haven't managed to sort. Have you got? Have you got sort of a league table as to who's um who's? I have got a league table. Yes. Who's at the top at the moment? So it's Chesterfield at the top at the moment. Ooh, I went to a night game and it was against Torquay, and it was just a brilliant game. It was a sellout. Brilliant game of football. It was 2-2. Torquay, the away side, scored in the last minute. They had Guinness. It was good atmosphere. Friendly fans. I couldn't fault it whatsoever. It was just a really nice stadium as well. Great atmosphere as well. That's a massive thing. The community feel there, you could really feel it. So that's the number one at the moment. Is that sort of your criteria then? Is that is that what makes a good ground for you, all of those factors that you've just mentioned? Yeah, it's. it's I think it... it Obviously, it's a hard to create an atmosphere at some of these games I go to when there's, say, like 30, 40 fans and things. It's that community thing, I think, when it comes to non-league, because that's what you want to feel, don't you? You can feel that the football clubs are part of the area and a group of people that may not usually mix all come together with one common goal and one common mm. love. And you can really feel it at some of these grounds that I go to. So, yeah, you could say that then, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, well, the reason you're here... Uh, today is because of course of your love for Albion uh, I don't I can't say I blame you for not having a season ticket since uh, since uh, Pulis's arrival to be honest but if we sort of touch into your roots of support in Albion how did you how did you get into into loving the baggies I think it's the same as most people because not many people grow up and go I want to be a baggies fan it's through the family let's be honest <laughs> but no it's it runs through the family everyone's local around uh, around this area in the black country so I've kind of just come through there, been going for, I had a season ticket from when I was about five, maybe six. So I had a season ticket for about 10 years. And uh, yeah, my, all my family are West Brom fans, everybody, uncles, aunts, absolutely everyone. There's no Wolves, no Villa. Everyone is just central West Brom. 
Sally, my girlfriend's family are all Villa fans, but oh. I'm trying to convert. I'm trying, and we're trying. <laughs> See, I can relate to that. My girlfriend's family are also Villa fans, and I, oh. I took, I took her for a first game at the Hawthorns. It was the Blackburn, the nil-nil, and uh, I don't think they did. A, they put on a very good advert for for coming and supporting the Albion. To be honest, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think it really, really did very well. But yeah, I mean, you're a pure-blood Albion fan, as we'll call it. So many Albion fans is your family. Um. You know, what would you say your favourite season is? Um, watching as a fan, what, what would you say that your favourite campaign that you've witnessed? So when you when you sent me over these questions before and our little research and a real think, because I think there are so many good times when we look back in our lifetime. I think you and me both, I'm presuming you're a similar age to me, I'm guessing now, but we've been blessed with some brilliant football. Like when you look back at the years, I was going through the nostalgia, the Di Matteo times, because some of the times when we're in the championship was amazing. Obviously, even just staying up in the Premier League, some of those years were amazing. But I think it's got to be, I think it's the 2011-2012 season with that high that high finish. Um, I think it was about, was it 10th in the league that season? Yeah, that that is it. That season, that season for me has always got to be my favourite. And yeah, that that squad was it was the glory days, wasn't it? You likes of Ben Foster and Jonas Olsen, the players that when I when I think of West Brom, the players that just string to mind straight away. And the times when we're good, and the, the whole feel at the Albion, the, the atmosphere was brilliant. It's something that we've not had. It felt a little bit more in parts this season when I was going to games. I've been this season. You could just feel that buzz as soon as you walked in. And yeah, that's what I really want back at the Albion. That, that's what I really miss, that feel, that buzz and the, the excitement because I think it's lost that this season. Whereas mm. back in those, like a decade ago or so, it feels, hey, it makes me feel older. I'm saying a decade ago. <laughs> <laughs> but those when the times were good, yeah. But I think we can get back there. I think that, that, that we can. There's hope. Yeah, there's always, there's, there's plenty of time for that. But you mentioned a certain... Big Swede at centre half. After following you on on sort of social media for quite a while, like you've got quite the I call it an affiliation with with young Jonas Olsen. What what is it about Jonas that 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 you're a big fan of? Well, <laughs> I could say he's the love of my life. Really, I think that's that's what I describe him as. But no, um, <laughs> when I was younger, I was a centre back, and I always played as a centre back when I was a kid, and. For some reason then, uh, the first when I started playing football competitively, we had Jonas Olsen and I wanted to re be like Jonas Olsen. I'm quite a, a lanky guy. I'm quite tall and lanky. And I just I just wanted to be like Jonas Olsen. I always, has, always had his number on the back of my shirt. And I was a mascot the one year and I got to meet him and have a photo with him. And he was a great guy. And since then, I just, I just loved him. It, he, he just played with such tenacity. And you could just, the way he threw his body on the line for the team, you, you couldn't really fault him as a player. And it was somebody that... I always wanted to succeed at the Albion because he did have moments towards the end when it, it didn't go too well towards the end of his Albion career. But I always still had that love for him and always will do. And I've spoken to him a couple of times in the uh, Instagram DMs and we've we've discussed he's going to come on for a YouTube video eventually mm. or potentially a TikTok video. It is happening. It is in the works. So that's another reason why I absolutely love him. He's just a great guy. That that, <laughs> that sounds the dream combination if there ever was one. Look at how Sam <laughs> times Jonas Olsen. I do look forward to seeing that if, if you can pull that off. But obviously it's, it's not been uh, ideal this season for Albion. We'll put it that way. Uh, how have you assessed the season so far, Sam? Because it, it's been a roller coaster to say the least. That was literally, you've taken the word. <laughs> roller coaster would be the exact word I would have used. It's been so up and down and topsy turvy. Days where I am fully in love with the club and I can't get it off the mind, and then other days where I just want to forget about it. But obviously, that's the per that's the brilliant thing about football. 
you're never going to yeah. walk away from it. But there's been times this season where I've really, really struggled. Times have been extremely hard and hopes have been crushed. But overall, I've got to try and look at it in a positive situation. We didn't invest too much in the, well, we didn't really invest massively in the squad in the summer. So looking at it from an outsider's view, obviously we're not exactly where we want to be, but we're not far from it. So it's still, there's a chance of getting to where we could and potentially should be. But overall, it's been a mediocre season. I think that's the best way you can put it. I'm trying to have a positive spin on it. I know if you asked me a couple of weeks ago or even a month ago, it'd have been a completely different answer. But I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to be positive. I think that's the best way you can be when it comes to the Albion, realistically. I don't know yourself what you make of it all. Yeah, it's been... I just... I, I really enjoyed the start of the season and then probably everything... Well, I suppose there were patches where we've had some good wins. I, I just remember, you know, it's just, it's been a really, yeah, mediocre is probably the word. I, as, as I'm sure you do, Sam, I, I try as a content creator, I try to put a, as much of a positive spin on things as I can. I try and keep upbeat because, you know, not everybody wants to see a, a you know, proper distraught fan every video and stuff yeah. like that. You know, it's quite, I'm sure it's, it's probably not the thing you want to be tuning into, but I, th- I just I'm slightly blinkered by by our result last night. If I have to be honest, that's sort of taken a bit of the edge away of, of certainly the, the defeats that we had in the early days of Bruce's era. But yeah, as you said, for this for not investing very much in the summer, I think, and to still be within the shout of being in those playoff positions, maybe it hasn't been so bad after all. But I suppose that's the question to ask. Maybe when we get towards the end of the season, we might be able to give a more definitive answer to it. But yeah, I suppose we'll start with Friday night because I, I guess we'll brush over a little bit of that. I suppose we won't go into masses of detail because I think we, me and you both, Sam, we want to get on to talking about the the the, the beautiful affair that was uh, that was Tuesday night's win. <laughs> but yeah, if we start with a little bit of Huddersfield, it was a very very strange game. Uh, with uh, you know, I think we we started the game well and we kind of tailed off throughout the the mid sixty minutes of the game and. We certainly came back into life in those last 10 minutes. Sam, how did you, how did you see that one? What, what were your thoughts on it? I've never just, I've just never, bizarre. I've never seen a game of football like it. And it, obviously you get the cliches of a game of two halves. So it was like a, a game of an hour and, and the last, like the, the, that last part of football, I've never seen a, a change in a side so much. And I couldn't, I couldn't really pinpoint it down to one thing. I know Andy Cowell did change a lot of things when he came on, but just everything changed all of a sudden. You could just see, and even the feel in the stadium when I was watching it from home on TV, you could feel it through the TV. So I can't pinpoint one thing that happened, but that's a positive change. The fact that I watched that game and thought, okay, we've got a result here where potentially there are arguments, did we really deserve it for the full 90? But that's a, that's a sign of a good side, a sign of a side that are changing. If you can get results when arguably you don't deserve it, I think that's a good sign. Um, overall though, I was trying not to get too excited because I was trying to say, is this just a fluke? Is this just a one-off or is this a sign of things to come? But positives from, again, I don't mean to hop onto last night, but it is a positive. You kind of, we took that into the next game, but no, it, they're a really good side Huddersfield. I know a lot of Huddersfield fans that I've met online and they were bantering me all week telling me we were going to get battered. And <laughs> it did seem like that at the start. They've got quite a few players that I really like that. Sorba Thomas is a player I would love yeah. to see potentially at the Albion. I thought under Val, he'd have been perfect as like a wing back at that time and mm. whatever formation we do play. But I, I I don't know how to feel about that game. I just thought it was a really, really bizarre game. And yeah, yeah. what what would you say then? What, what, I'd love to hear your opinions on this. 
it, I, I came away and I said, the first thing I said to my dad on the walk home, I said, we could have won that. I said it was that bizarre that you were 2-0 down up until the last six minutes and you could have scored, where well, you, you obviously did score two goals, but you could have had a third with, with Grant's chance late on. You know, it was just balmy how we... I, I just didn't see it coming. Like I, you could, as as you said there, you could feel the atmosphere in the ground just changing, especially as that the penalty hadn't even gone in, and I think people were starting to think, you know, we might get we might get something out of this game. But you know, just I just don't know where the turn came from. It was almost like they just gained this little bit of confidence. They were zipping the ball about. They were, you know, trying to break that. They were easy. I say they were probably easily breaking down Huddersfield, the side that looked so defensively solid throughout that sixty-minute period of the game, and it was just. It was weird, I think is probably the word I said. I've, I've been on a couple of podcasts since and I just said it was weird to to watch us just suddenly spur on and, and have the confidence and the fight and the desire that I don't think we'd seen for, for quite some weeks. Uh, did, do you think we could have won that late on there, Sam? Because, you know, that grant chance was, I, I, yeah. I think maybe if he'd have taken a touch in a more positive direction rather than back onto himself, it may have made it a bit easier. But do you think we maybe could have picked up all three points there? Potentially we could have, whether we would have deserved that and that's <laughs> yeah. another discussion, but we we could have and probably should have, but I'm trying to look at it. That 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 chance that you spoke about with Colin Grant, I think it was a, an awkward touch. He couldn't really get out of his yeah out of out of his feet. But then I think if he'd have taken another touch, potentially the defender may have come in. So I think he did the best he could have, but he should have really hit the target. I do agree with you. But then that could be then karma from the penalty, because obviously yeah. that's a bit of a controversial one. But then you could look back at, at the Huddersfield foul early on in the build-up for that second goal and that's that's the problem if you overanalyze all the things that went on in this game I think you could delve too deep into it but another thing I know you mentioned there we defensively Huddersfield looked good but they also went to pot we, yeah, we started pressing yeah. them and the amount of times that O'Brien in the midfield kept giving the ball away quite a few players just all of a sudden I don't know if that's the atmosphere from the players and and the fans getting on top of them and we just suddenly just took it took the game to them and it, mm. it, for some reason, it took 85 minutes to do so. But when we did, Huddersfield completely went to pot. Everything that they that was good about them in the first, it, it, well, the rest of the game, just just completely went. And they couldn't pass out from the back. We're intercepting everything. And it, it's crazy to think Ajay for that that, for yeah. that um, cross in. What what on earth he's doing on the side? It just shows you how gung-ho we'd gone. We've said, okay, do you know what? We'll take the game to them. For the last five minutes, Ajay going down the wing. You thought he's... It's Prime Ronaldo down that wing there, <laughs> CR7, cutting in, using that right foot, dinking it into the back post. It was a great bit of, a great spectacle of football, I have to admit. It's typical West Brom to make it dramatic and <laughs> it was perfect, really. But yeah, it was interesting. I think Andy Carroll was huge, though, for yeah. when he came on. He, he just provides something different. I've not seen a player like that at the Albion who can hold the ball up and he, his first touch as well is absolutely unreal. He can bring absolutely anything down and he brings the other players into the game, whether it is a Jay cutting down the wing or if it's Dean Garner or anyone, he mm. brings other players in. I think that does help when it's late on in the game and you're applying pressure because you know you can knock it long if you have to or you can play it out and we will still hold the ball and retain it. That's one thing I do think that potentially changed the game. Yeah, and it was a dream. It was like the, the ball from a Jay in was was an absolute dream because it, he stood it up for Andy Carroll so well. I, whether Andy Carroll actually meant to put it in the, the corner that, that it actually went in, I think he was, look, <laughs> he was looking the other way and it's hit him on the other side of the head. But 
no, we will take it all day long. And it was, yeah, Andy Carroll made the difference. So I don't know if you remember, actually, Sam, a, a moment between uh, your, your good friend Jonas Olsen and Andy Carroll once where uh, Jonas uh, yanked him yes. by his ponytail. <laughs> I thought I thought that would be a nice little thing to tie in that I was thinking about then. That was, uh, yeah, that, was a, that, yeah. that would have been quite the battle between the, the brutes with the long hair there. <laughs> the glory days those were and that's why when when carol first signed for us i thought i was a little bit apprehensive because i thought <laughs> has he really still got it in the, in those days when he was battling with olsen he was absolutely unreal every time he came to us he would yeah. really battle with olsen and he's a player that that showed that and i was thinking can he still do it and so far he really has done he he's been a breath of fresh air which has really surprised me i think he surprised the majority of the fan base because we thought even if we get a flicker of that andy carroll he could really help us, but we've seen a completely different Andy Carroll that's not really been seen for years. Yeah, and it was I was I don't know about you, Sam, but I was just buzzing to see him get get his goal because I think he's he's earned himself a goal in with his performances and he, he just looked he, I think he's he's really instilling some sort of standards in the squad. I think he's He's obviously here on on not a very not very uh, a big salary in comparison with a foot with, with most footballers and, and most of the the Albion squad and I just think he's instilling a bit more professionalism a bit more fight and a bit more drive into the squad you can see him talking to everybody you can see him trying to lift spirits you can see him sort of on the pitch uh, almost giving you know you know people a real talking to when they've made a mistake and you can just see a real leader in Andy Carroll and he's he's definitely that sort of person that you want around the squad. Sam, do you think he's he's the he's somebody that you'd want to see? Obviously, his deals until the end of the season. Is he somebody that you'd want to see extended and, and maybe a, another possible year? I think he's. I think he deserves it personally. I think what he's done, as you said, he set such a good example, and it's going to do wonders for the youth players watching somebody. I saw I saw things on Twitter. I know um, after the game when he was doing his warm down, he was the last player there. Yeah. He was the first player there for the warm up, and he was the last player to do his warm down. That's such a good example from a guy who potentially. A lot of people, when he first signed, saying, is he going to really be one? Does he really want to be here? But you can see he's only here, as you said, for footballing reasons. And I think he's he deserves that contract extension. The fact that he stayed fit as well, because that was yeah. another thing I was worried about. His fitness is good. You saw him when he came on last night. He was sprinting back. I know he'd only come on late on. But yeah. just to set that standard, he was tracking back. There were points when he was running back past the midfielders, <laughs> tracking back runs. And I thought... That's the kind of example you want to set for the rest of for the rest of the team, and you could see he lifts the players every time he comes on, and he instills that little bit of aggressiveness that sometimes I know Livermore and Mowit have done that they have their <laughs> fair share this season, yeah. getting the red cards, but he shows that aggressiveness without getting sent off. Kind of just leaves little things in on players. It just doesn't allow the side to get bullied, and that's another thing that in in years gone by that we didn't really have. But I do think now we've got quite um a solid side, if you know what I'm trying to say, a team that yeah. you wouldn't really want to play against. And he really instills that up top and he bullies defenders. So I really like him. And whether he starts or not every game, it's just a complete different option that you can have from the bench, which just really troubles defences. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody better than him in, in the air, definitely in this division. So I think, yeah, I think he just gives you a real alternative on the bench. You know, if you need a goal late on, you bring on Andy Carroll, because even if he's not going to score... He'll attract a couple of defenders, possibly even three defenders, to try and beat him in the air, and yeah. all of a sudden you make space for somebody else. So, you know, it works. But yeah, Huddersfield was was a weird game. As I said, we will that that was just a little bit of a brush over it because we we all want to 
get into the the the, the juicy bit really, which was uh, well, well, we'll start that now. But West Bromwich Albion won Fulham nil. What a game, Sam! And it was a beautiful night at the Hawthorns, and, and an even better better performance from the side. That's all you can say. It's just it's it's just truly wonderful, isn't it? That those are the days when you just you come away from a game and you just think that's exactly what I love about the album. It's exactly what I love about football games. When you go into it and you have a little slight thing, you say, do you know what? We could nick a win here today. And, but, but going into the game, my views were, I put it out online. We're either going to lose six nil or nick a one nil win. It could easily go that way. Fulham obviously scoring 90 goals this season. And Alexander Mitrovic had scored 35. We've scored before this game, 39. Yeah. He wasn't far off just our entire <laughs> team. And I was thinking, we need to keep him quiet. And I thought Bartley, Ajay and Clark, yes, they've had moments in the game where they looked a little bit shaky, but the three of them kept him quiet. Really had won that one chance when he put it over the bar. But that is the, the top striker in the league. And we we kept that, that side down to one shot on target, which is absolutely mental. When you, when you step back and think about this Fulham side, that's not stopped anyone all season. Mm. They've been going gung-ho, demolishing sides, scoring goals for fun. And we've done a, a, a number on them. And it was yeah. great to see because not only did we just sit back, we didn't just sit back, sorry, and defend. We saw what Barnsley did against them on the weekend and we applied that high press from the very from the get-go. We set such a fast tempo. Furlong and Townsend were so far up the pitch. Not, and it's something that we haven't seen in weeks because some people have said with Steve Bruce and I was a bit of, at the start, it's quite defensive, it's quite negative. But you showed last night that we've got a completely different side to this team. And it was a side that I really liked to see. I, I thought every single one of those players was absolutely class. And the fact Johnson didn't even have to really mm. get tested at all. Yeah, it was it was a beautiful, just an occasion, I think. I was actually approached in the club shop by a couple of, well, I think they were listeners of the podcast and they came up and asked me how we were going to do today. And I was like, I, I'm really not positive about it, to be honest. I'm, I'm genuinely worried for us. And the bloke said to me, he goes, now there's, I, I, there's I, you know, there's something in the water tonight that I, that I can see us getting a result. And I said to him, you know, I'll ha- obviously I'll have some of whatever water you're drinking because I can't see us getting a, <laughs> I can't see us getting a result tonight. But so you sure he was drinking water? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't think, I think it must have been that Guinness, Sam, to be honest. I think that was, must have been what he was having. But he was he was adamant to me that we were going to get a result. And I was like, well, we'll see, mate. I said, if you, I said, next time you listen to the podcast and, you know, drop me a comment and say I was right. But yeah, he was, um, yeah, he was adamant that we were going to get a victory. Were you a bit optimistic going into it or fairly sceptical, a bit like myself? Yeah, it, it's just, it's just a difficult one. Because it, when whenever you go into games like this, it's do you go with your head or your heart? <laughs> and whenever I go into West Brom, it's always with my heart. So every game I do think deep down, do you know what we're gonna we're gonna win this? And it just surprised me because I don't think we've seen this this way of playing under Bruce. And he's somebody who's again, as I just mentioned, like a lot of people have been on his back and things, but he really proved the skeptics wrong. And I think if we can take this momentum now, obviously three unbeaten. This momentum, all this can do is help. And if we can carry on pushing on, we've got some difficult games coming up, some games that you really, like, we should be winning going into this Bristol game on the weekend. Like, you would be hopeful. Obviously, I know it's not as simple as that, but I think it's good things to come. And I, I, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite happy. I'm quite pleased. And I, I, as I said earlier, I've forgotten everything that's happened in the past and it's just kind of gone into the back of my mind. And now we're some absolutely amazing side. And I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. I think it's difficult, though, isn't it, when you get wins like that? Yeah, it's it's almost impossible not to. I've as as I said, I've been skipping around work this morning. 
I've been telling everybody that that um, that we might finish in the playoffs, and everybody's been calling me deluded this morning, saying you you you're you're just on a high, calm down. Uh, but you know, it's it's just it's amazing. Well, firstly, the the Huddersfield result I think must have given them a lot of confidence that they can go and almost tear aside apart within ten minutes, get a couple of goals, and and possibly even win the game within the last ten minutes. That must have given them a load of confidence. But you know, going into this, I, you know, I, I genuinely don't know what their preparation was, what what sort of wheat of it they had before they came out. But they were just <laughs> they were just on fire, like genuinely. You know, obviously we saw the the ten sort, you know, the ten minute periods at the start and the end of the Huddersfield game, but it was actually it was the whole game, the whole game. I think the first half, I think obviously the second half, we, you know, Hud, uh, not Huddersfield, Fulham were always going to come back into the game. They're always going to have a little bit of a foothold because they are, you know, they're the best side in the league. Of course, they're going to have. Uh, a little bit of a go in, in that second half. But I think that first half, I think, I, I don't know wh- whether you agree with this, Sam, but, we, we, you know, with the chances we had, the Grant chance, we, we could have had a, another Alex Moe at penalty. It could have been 2-0 yeah. by half time if, if, well, obviously, if we'd have finished our chances, got the penalty that we needed. Yeah, and that, that was my worry. When, when, when those things weren't going our way, and I was thinking, OK, we can't keep pushing on and having all these chances without take, and then we do need to take them eventually. But then... This Fulham wave that I was expecting with the likes of Harry Wilson, Carvalho, those players just on their own, Mitrovic, mm. I was expecting them really to come at us. And they did, but they never seemed to trouble us. That defensive block and that tightness with the midfield, that block that we had, just they just really struggled to find any space. And they never just, they lacked in that final product. And I don't know, it was just a, a masterclass. And I get what you're saying entirely with that first half, because I was, I was extremely worried though, when mm. we hadn't taken those chances. But yeah, it was a, it was a brilliant game of football, and I thought there were so many players that played well. Players that in the past that I don't know your opinions on them. Players that I thought earlier on in the season I was questioning whether they are good enough and whether they have been good enough and consistent enough, and they proved everyone wrong tonight. So I just hope a lot of those players keep up this standard because the fact is now they've shown us this team, they've shown us that they can play at this standard and they can show us they can play at this level and this style of football. And we just can, we've got to hope now they can take this into every game and push on and, and move this momentum. Because if you are going to make, I know we're going to talk about, I know I'm jumping now to the playoffs, <laughs> but this is the time to start picking up momentum and form. So it's, it's hopeful. I'm hopeful. Yeah. And um, yeah, you, you touched on it there, you know, the, the sort of players that, you know, I will admit to, to have given a quite a bashing over the past few weeks, I think is probably fair to say. You know, just to name a few, Moa, I've given quite a a fair bit. That's the one I was hinting at there. A fair bit of stick. Uh, I've given Robinson a bit of stick. Uh, I think Grant's taken a bit of it, but I have uh, since sort of looked at. You know, he he has been getting some goals, so maybe I have been a little harsh. But the whole team, really, those were just sort of the three that I think I've singled out, maybe rightly or wrongly. But you know, the the whole team, you could just see that everybody was playing you know to a man in the performance it, everybody was 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 given 100% leaving everything out on the field and you know i, I look at the the pair of robinson and grant and i think that that you, normally is quite a physically weak sort of championship strike force and but they were they were really good with their back to goal is something that i that i noticed and you could clearly see that they'd raised their game by 20% and it was sort of infected the whole team because they, they all, everybody raised their game by 20%. And it just made for an all-round more complete performance because you could see that everybody was working hard for each other, for the manager as well. I mean, 
you know, we'll, we'll obviously we'll get into Steve Bruce a little bit later on and, and what, what can only be described, as you said, there is a Steve Bruce masterclass. But, you know, the players <laughs> have to take an enormous amount of credit for, for, um, for, for their performance and the effort levels that they put in. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I completely agree with what you said with Carl and Grant and Robinson. I think maybe, and I don't know if this, I'm jumping into things and looking into the things too deeply, but I don't know if this Andy Carroll signing has maybe could provide a little bit of competition for them. And they now know that they're not guaranteed starters week in, week out. There is somebody who is on the bench who could easily replace them and, and do something different. So they seem to have raised up their game. And I, I don't know if I'm looking into it because they saw mm. Andy Carroll obviously getting the goal against Huddersfield. And I, I, I felt quite sad for him I thought he would have started after his performance after he came on but who am I that's why Steve Bruce is the manager because those two together were absolutely class and I saw that stat on uh, Sky Sports when I was watching it from home that the two of them assisting each other yeah the top partnership in the league which I couldn't believe that I, yeah be before that game I would not have put them even in like the top five it's it's crazy when you look at the fact that now I think it's 10 goals between the two of them assisting each other mm. it's a, a really potent strike force that we really need to carry on this bit of form and then occasionally just sprinkling that bit of Andy Carroll just to provide something different that they can then play off him. But it's it, it's good. It's a good sign, those two. I, I do completely agree with what you said. I thought Grant at points was absolutely class. He was taking the ball from deep and driving with it, something that I've not seen him do with conviction at all this season because yeah. I thought sometimes when he when he would receive the ball and actually drive and dribble with it, I thought that was one of his weakest parts of the game. But at points yesterday, he took the ball from deep, would go plus go past um, Harrison Reed and then play it on to Robinson. The link up between them two at parts, yeah. it was amazing to watch. It's something that we've been crying out for. Yeah, the biggest shot for me, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, you know, whether that's just been the fact that I haven't been paying attention to the numbers, but Robinson's got eight assists this season. It, it You know, I was really surprised. I, I'm fairly sure most of them are to Grant, to be honest. But, you know, yeah. I was surprised <laughs> at the the sheer number of assists that that, that he's gained. And, and, and Grant's second in the assist charts for us with five assists. So, you know, they, they really are a really good combination. And, you know, although, as I said, I've knocked them at times this season and, and probably more often than not, but they, they proved, you know, that they've got that combination, especially for the goal uh, and could have had it for, for, the, for the chance that, that Grant had as well. They could have had another little bit of a combination yeah. and a, another goal to add to their sort of combination tally. But, yeah, they, they, their combination is you know, has been vital to, to Albion this season. I, I dread to think, well, especially without Grant's goals, but just where Albion would be without without that that partnership. Yeah, it, we would be in a really difficult situation when you look at it as a whole, because when you look at the amount of percentages and that, that they are controlling our goals, everything is down to the two of them and the, the reliance. And at points, you can look at it negatively saying that it's an over-reliance, but at the same time, we can rely on them because they have done it throughout the season. And yes, at times it dipped, but I think the whole side dipped in form at that time. And they had patches where they didn't score, but that that was the yeah. dark times. I, I think that's the best way to put it, the dark times. But now they're coming through it and it's a perfect time to gain momentum. Yeah, and you think, you know, you mentioned the competition between Andy Carroll and you know the other couple of, well, Grant and Robinson, but you still got Daryl DK to come back into the mix. That is, th those four, you know, fighting it out for, what is going to be two positions on the pitch. Well, maybe Steve Bruce might have another little uh, Brucey bonus of his sleeve, we'll call it. But, you know, they are, you know, that is an incredible sort of competition mix to, to, to get, you know, a striking position because, you know, you've got Daryl Deco, who's the big money signing. You've got Andy Carroll, who's proved all his doubters wrong, really, at West Brom. And, 
you've got Colin Grant and Callum Robinson being uh, being picked. It's it's sort of the dream, but a, a bit of a nightmare selection headache for for Bruce because who's he? Who the hell is he going to pick out of those four? Because there's, there's some, some great options in there. But it's a problem you want to have. Let's be honest. That's the problem we all want to have, and I can just see it now. That the the terror in the defense is when you've got. Furlong throwing it long into the box with DK and Carroll bullying <laughs> defenders and Bartley coming in late on. It's, it's it's going to be interesting to see how he does kind of uh, plan out with the team. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see the combinations. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, I remember doing several match preview videos sort of when we had Val and it was three up front. And I was literally just saying, you know, just, just throw one of... I, I don't care who's in that front three, just literally just pick one of them. But... Genuinely, there's going to be massive debates, I think, on social media as to who's going to start because, you know, there, there is a, an immense amount of competition. Uh, yeah, one thing we, we, we haven't really touched on, it, I, I haven't put it in the notes, Sam, so apologies if, I, if, I'm, if I'm writing it's off the right. script here, but the midfield three um, of Jake Livermore, and I did mention Gardner Hickman in there, and, and Alex Mower, they've, yeah, I think Gardner Hickman's, in my opinion, has given the two of them a, a little bit of a boost that they needed, a bit of a sort of refresh in there if you like that that maybe has yeah has kind of given them a little bit of a well a refresh for want of a better word is probably probably the best way to put it but you know it's just given them that little bit of a, a a bit of TLC I think to 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 allow them to 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 get better and and that trio has it's been immense in these past three games you know they've they've in a in an area of the pitch where under Val I don't think that we really competed against those who who played in midfield three we we look to be winning the midfield battle in, in each each of those three games that they've played together so far. Yeah, I think I think Garner Hickman, obviously, with his energy and stuff, he provides a bit more of a cushion for the other two. And it's not so direct because under Val, it was just the two of them in midfield at times. And the pressure on them too, because they're not the, the fastest of midfielders. And I think Garner Hickman just provides that youth kind of energy. He just darts around. He's absolutely everywhere. And he allows Livermore to excel in what he does in breaking up play and then just passing it on. And then Moet to do what yeah. he does, operate in those spaces. And I think Garn Hickman frees up them too, which is then taking a lot of pressure off their shoulders and allowed them to flourish. Because I think at points you could see Moet and Livermore could potentially work. It's just they were too slow. And they, they're both very similar players. They needed that extra little bit of help and I was crying out for under Val just, just throw an extra man in there we just need a bit more energy because they're not as I said they're not the fastest but now it really works well because you've got as I said Garner Hickman coming out wide occasionally with these overlapping runs and you breaking into the final third Livermore sitting and doing what Livermore does well because we do know Livermore there is quite clearly a player in there because he gets picked under every manager I know he gets a lot of stick I've given him a lot of stick in the past, but at the end of the day, he gets picked for a reason because he, he can do a job and he allows those flair players to do what they need to do. And Moet, well, he's, he did it at Barnsley last year and he, he could have won another penalty. He's late breaking into the, the box and mm. he's shooting from distance and his creativity just moves the ball on really well. And I think a lot of that is just down to Gardner Hickman, just adding that little extra bit of spice into that midfield. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's it. It's, it's that certain bit of... Uh... What is it? Je ne sais quoi. Is that what they call it? He's just <laughs> added, sprinkled a little bit of that in there. And it's made all the difference because obviously he's primarily, a, well, has been a right-sided player throughout his academy career. And you can see him making those overlapping run. I think the heat map that I had a look at the other day saw him and he's often sort of isolating down that, that right-hand channel. And yeah, he just has a, a different angle. And, and as I said, he's he's retouched almost Livermore and Moa to make them a a better midfield pair and, and help them out a lot. So I think, you know, God Hickman, of course, has 
has really impressed a, a lot of Albion fans, myself and yourself included. But the, I think we've got to get, in, get on to what was a, a, a Steve Bruce tactical masterclass, I think. Um, I, I can see him being on one of those videos with the tactics board in front of him telling you how, it, <laughs> how he beat Fulham in, in 2022. But he has taken a bit of a bashing for things tactically, hasn't he, Sam? And I, I have to admit, uh, I think it was against Swansea where... I sort of was just like this this bloke has, has, has lost it playing, you know, Castro and Moa in that midfield to get leaving us all exposed at the back. But it, he showed uh, exactly why he's managed over a thousand games in English football last night, because, you know, the way he saw that game out was just it was perfect and, and a game plan executed to a T, I think. Yeah, he, you could see what he kind of instilled into the players that if we move to get, if we press, we press as a, a together. We don't allow space because the likes of Carvalho on that left hand side, cutting it onto his right foot, Harry Wilson, they're coming into that space in between the midfield and the defence. And we moved as a pack. Every time we pressed, you saw a Jay Clark, Bartley all yeah. move up together. And Livermore was never more than 10 or so yards away from that that uh, defence and th the lack of space meant that Fulham couldn't do anything. And obviously that's completely down to him, but it's good to see that we're kind of, it, it, at times earlier on in the season or when Bruce first came in, it seemed a little bit disjointed. You could see what they were trying to do, but it was like the mixed signals. Some players would go in, some players were sitting, whereas that game, I felt like it really, really, really worked. Everyone working as a team. And as you said, and we pressed from the front, I thought it was about, Five minutes in, and I think it was Furlong, chased down uh, the Fulham left back. I think it was Robinson. And he, he blocked just a clearance, just straight out for a throw. And I thought, okay, we're quite clearly going for yeah. it. And we were sat on the halfway line because Mitrovic isn't the fastest of strikers. He, he's, a, he's a fox in the box. If you if you keep him up out of the way of the goal and as high as possible, yeah, he's not going to really hurt you. And it, it worked. It's a risk because obviously Harry Wilson and Carvalho could get in behind. But Fulham never tried that long ball over the top. And I think that's because we didn't allow anyone any time on the ball. We didn't let them play. And yeah. when we did sit back, the entire team sat back and Grant and Robinson uh, were closing down everything that they needed to. They, they defended from the front. Every single one. I could go. Through, we could really go through every <laughs> single player and how well they played. It's just bizarre saying that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I hear me smiling my voice saying that. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, it's, I'm, I'm sure we'll get onto it in a minute, but you know, it's so hard to pick a, a player that stood out because I think the team performance. You know, you could obviously pick so many players because they they obviously did play well, but I can't couldn't tell you a player that's you know really stood out for me and has really made made the team complete. It was just the fact that everybody pulled together and. You know, you could tell, as you said there, Steve Bruce, he, he was risky in his tactical approach. You know, he, he clearly, I think he knew how to beat Fulham and I think he, he certainly executed it. And I don't know about you, Sam, but remembering back to those sort of days, as you said, about a decade ago where we were beating teams like Man United and you were just eking out a, eking out yeah. a win against them with, with every every trick in the book. You know, you got Claudio Jacob just kicking the ball into the stand whenever he could <laughs> and stuff like that. It felt like that again towards the end of yeah. the game. It just, although it was a, a, a much deserved win, it just, it was so beautiful to see us exercising all those tactics that I think we've seen so many teams, uh, you know, bring against us uh, this, that, well, well, so far this season, you know, the sort of lower opposition who have come and, and, and played for a point. But, you know, this was, this was special in that way. I just, I don't know about you, Sam, but I just love seeing the, the sort of, uh, you know, Furlong winding them up with the, with the towel right at the end of the game, just for no reason. Yeah, it was, uh, it was beautiful. And taking the ball to the corner with Andy Carroll was, was special as well. 
Yeah, I'm all for it. There's something about a 1-0 win, isn't there? Yeah. A scrappy 1-0 win. There is nothing better because you know how much it hurts because we've been on the other end of a lot of them. But yeah. that's why I feel so good. I know it's really petty, but I know those those travelling fans, how they're going to feel because I felt like that all season and that makes me happy. I know it's a horrible thing to say, but <laughs> those kind of wins because it's well-earned, well well-fought. Uh, yeah, it's just great to see. 1-0 wins. I'm all for them. I absolutely love them. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're beautiful. But yeah, as we've discussed, it could be more than, could have been more than 1-0. But, oh, you know, so yeah, we, chances. We, we did have the chances. But yeah, I mean, it was just, as I said, beautiful to see us exercising in the, dabbling in the dark arts, we'll call it, of, of football towards the last stages of that game. And yeah, I, I suppose, Sam, if I ask you to pick a man of the match, do you think you'd be, do you think you'd be able to with, with so many standout performers across the pitch? Okay, I'm going to go for the... So when I recorded a video straight after the game, a lot of the times I look back and reflect on what I've said and think, oh, okay, that was a heat of the moment thing. But I'm going to try and stick with what I said. I'm going to go for Mowit, sorry. Um, a player who surprised me. I think he... I saw a different side of his game yesterday. He wasn't somebody that tore the other side apart, but a lot of interceptions. He was breaking up play and he just moved it on. And a lot of things, it came through him. He was up, he was taking the ball in situations. I thought, oh, not there, not there, not there. When you get impressed by players like Chabala, but then he moved it on so well. And I thought he created that link between the front and defence. And I thought this is the player that I wanted to see. And I know he doesn't steal the headlines because he didn't score a scream or anything like that. But I just thought he offered something different, something that I've wanted to see of him and the fight and he, he didn't give, give away needless fouls he's breaking up play legitimately which we yeah. haven't seen too often and yeah just overall I thought it was a great performance from him and obviously Carlin Grant another one who deserves a shout out definitely because I thought he was absolutely class but as we said it could be so many people and I could I could argue myself I could sit here for an hour and just discuss every player and say why they deserve it but I went for Moet last night just purely because he proves me wrong somebody I've been on his back throughout the season on many YouTube videos. And when I've chatted with mates at the pub, somebody I've, I've not been a fan of this season, but he's really proved me wrong in that game. Yeah, he was, he was, I know that, you know, he was, he was just so tenacious in the middle of the park. I think he was literally shoving players off the ball legally this time, I think, but yeah. you know, it was nice to see, but yeah, he was, he was so tenacious. I, I'd probably go, I'd probably give it to, to Matt Clark. I thought that he dealt with, not only the threat of Mitrovic, but he also had Harry Wilson to deal with when when Townsend pushed up and on the odd occasion he got caught one-on-one against him. And I just thought he dealt with him so well. And, you know, we talked about Ajayi on the overlap, but I think Clark on the overlap, well, I've, I've said this to my dad so many times, I said, Clark often when he gets down that line, sometimes he just gets in the way of everybody. You know, you've got Townsend trying to cross the ball, you've got Grant trying to sort of drift out, drift outside the defender and you've got Clark in there and he sort of gets in the way, but... Last night, yeah. I thought that, you know, you obviously saw the risk from Bruce allowing, you know, well, both Ajayi and Clark to, I think there's points where Clark and Ajayi were in the box and it wasn't even a corner or a throw in. So, but I just thought that Clark looked so solid. And I think, yeah, he's come on leaps and bounds. But I, de- I think the whole back three has, I think you can tell they're being coached by a, by a defender because you can see differences in sort of their defensive position. You can see when they're being squared up one-on-one, they've got a sort of, a different stance about them. I don't know how to put it, but they're a bit more side on. You can tell they're being coached by a defender and uh, yeah. Steve Bruce, and you can tell, well, obviously a very successful defender in his in his heyday. But yeah, I'd probably go for Matt Clark, to be honest, Sam. I, I really did enjoy Moat's performance. And to be honest, I probably should give it to him after all the bashing I've given him. I think that's probably, <laughs> probably a bit harsh, but yeah, I'll go for Matt Clark. But yeah, as we said, uh, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but 
if I'm going to put the numbers out there, we're six points off the playoffs now, Sam. Uh, you know, is it doable? Do you think that the dream is is still alive? I think the dream will always be alive. Until it's mathematically impossible, the dream will always be alive. I mean, that that is the kid in me. Knowing for well, even when the momentum was gone, I was still deep down. I was like, you know what, we could still do it. But as I said, it goes back to the point. This is the perfect time at this time in the season to start gaining momentum. We play and we've set a, a, a standard now. We've got to match it. And we've set a, a mark to the rest of the league. We've gone and we've demolished Fulham. In, in our backyard and we said you know what this is our fortress and we're coming to you guys now we've got a bit of momentum we showed against Huddersfield another the, the two most the, the, well at the time the top two Huddersfield as well unbeaten their run was in, seemed to be going for about 10 years that, that side yeah. and we've shown that we can put two past them and I think we've set a mark to the rest of the league and I think we just need to keep doing what we can do and just focus on ourselves because other teams will slip up as we have throughout the season so I think if we focus on ourselves keep winning we'll be there or thereabouts but Deep down, I, I have got a good feeling, but I think this is a lot of it is down to yesterday's performance, as we keep saying. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I think it's still there. I think it. I think it's very much still in contention. I think you're just heading into to the right time to pick up a bit of form. Of course, you got Bristol on Saturday. That's a another big game, and if you win that, then it looks twice as twice as more possible. And then you've got see DK coming back after the March international break, so that's another boost. And you just hope that the momentum continue. So you, you, you haven't quite booked uh, the, the day off work and a hotel at Wembley uh, for, for the end of May yet, have you, Sam? Not yet, but I've checked the calendar. That's the <laughs> level we're at now. That's the level we're at now. But it's, it's applying pressure. If we keep doing what we're doing, other sides will see us coming because we're, I would always prefer to be in the chasing pack because the, the, the pressure isn't on you. It's the teams that are up there now that have to stay at their level. That's what I always find. Yeah. I don't I was, know about you. Yeah, I... I think we saw that with uh, ourselves and Brentford uh, a couple of seasons ago, didn't we? We obviously Brentford didn't quite make it in the end, but you know you, you'd always prefer to have that momentum and be in the chasing pack rather than yeah. somebody who's slipping off the position. But we will see. Uh, but yeah, I must admit to having a sneaky look at when the playoff final is this this season. I just had a little sneaky look at the dates on the AFL website just in case, just in case. But we'll, oh, we'll... I wasn't joking. I have actually checked the calendar. I was, I was being serious. I had a little Google when I was at work. I just thought I'll just have a little look and see what when the playoff final is just in case. Uh, because obviously uh, I've never seen Albion at Wembley. I think my dad has, and it wasn't a wasn't a wasn't a pleasing result against Derby. And uh, the I was there, yeah, yeah. Not not a nice day for you either, Sam. I assume. No, a young Sam who crawled his eyes out the halfway home on the train. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him, bless him. Well, Sam, that's about all we've got time for on this week's episode of the Baggies Podcast. Just a massive thank you for coming on, mate. Yeah, really appreciate it. It's been a, been a great chat. Thank you very much for coming on. No, thanks for having me, mate. I'll happily come on again and you come on my podcast or on my YouTube channel, happily get you on. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully we can get that sorted. But Sam, is there anything sort of going on on your YouTube channel, TikTok, anything? Well, just feel free to plug whatever you fancy, even if it's just your socials. Oh, I, po I post daily on my YouTube channel, whether it's West Brom videos or just all football videos. I post all the time on TikTok. I'm always going to ground. So and a podcast every week on a Tuesday night, again, all about football. So, yeah, just check out everything, really. I'm always on the go. There's never one main thing. <laughs> There's always a bit of everything over on the Bucket Hat Sam YouTube channel. But drop uh, Sam a subscription over on YouTube. We'll drop some links in the description for you to go and check him out. 
Uh, of course, I'm sure you'll want to hear more from him after after this episode. But yeah, that's all we've got time for on this week's episode of the Baggies podcast. A massive thank you for listening and watching along on YouTube if you have been. Make sure you subscribe on your podcast provider or YouTube and leave us a nice little maybe five star rating if you've enjoyed the episode. But yeah, that's all we've got time for. It's goodbye from me and goodbye from Sam. We'll see you in the next one. Goodbye. <laughs>